You know who is alive and well on Instagram? Jesus. And I say that without judgment, but it is true. It's true. Whether you realize it or not, religion, namely Christianity, is being packaged in a variety of ways, usually through beautiful images of motherhood and parenthood, and it is being rebranded for a new generation on social media. We talked a lot in the first episode of this series about how the early mom bloggers and influencers were Mormon women, and how their faith encouraged blogging and social media in order to spread the word of their faith. I want to go back to that for a second. Mormon moms are encouraged to keep a lot of records of their family's growth and, you know, just milestones and all that scrapbooking type thing. So there was always a practice within Mormon domesticity of like taking pictures and making these special documents. So blogging was really like a natural next step when blogs became accessible, like Mormon moms were like, sweet, we're going to blog now. So that's how they started. It was an outgrowth of existing practices that the community had. Certain corners of the internet refer to the Mormon mom blogging and influencing community by the nickname the blogger knackle. And it has been encouraged from on high. Let's rewind a little bit to April 6th, 1830. This is when members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints believed that the Lord gave a command to one of their founders, Joseph Smith. Behold, there shall be a record kept among you. Now fast forward. A 2007 commencement address to the graduating class of Brigham Young's Hawaii campus it's by church elder M. Russell Ballard. He's the acting president of the Mormon Church's Quorum of Twelve Apostles. May I ask you to join the conversation by participating on the internet, particularly the new media, to share the gospel. Most of you already know that if you have access to the internet, you can start a blog in minutes and begin sharing what you know to be true. I think a lot of these moms are like, okay, well, I'll just tone down the religious dimension so that, you know, I appeal to more people. Because people were there for the aesthetic. They loved the kind of, I guess, the, the cuteness. What we haven't talked about yet is the rise of evangelical Christians on Instagram and the messages they're sending without you realizing it. I also want to dig into whether or not they're using social media as a platform to proselytize. Today's guest is Kelsey Kramer McGinnis, and she's a correspondent for Christianity Today. She's also a professor, and she's working on a book about the history of Christian parenting literature. She's recently been doing a deep dive into Christian parents on social media, and she has a lot to say on this subject. So my name is Kelsey Kramer McGinnis, and I am a correspondent for Christianity Today. I write about music and culture, but I'm also working on a book about the history of Christian parenting literature since uh, the 70s or so. And um, so I, I write in a variety of subjects. I also teach at Grandview University um, in Des Moines, Iowa, where I live. So um, wear a bunch of different hats and started diving into trad wife content sort of by way of my research on Christian parenting writing. Um, it's sort of part of the same pipeline, I suppose. I've been covering trad wives on this podcast and in my substack over the influence. And 
I know that there's a lot of crossover between mm-hmm. Christian influencers and trad wives. But when you emailed me, you made me realize that Christian Instagram is also its its whole own beast. I would love you as an expert in this world to kind of walk me through it, to just, you know, lead me down the primrose path. Uh, and also, and actually, before we get to that, are you Christian? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am Christian. Like many writers and academics now, I have a complicated relationship with the label evangelical. But there is an element of like subculture that is very hard to shake when you grow up in a faith tradition. Um, That's a long-winded answer to say, yes, I am still Christian. I write for a pretty um, mainstream evangelical publication. Um, So yeah, very much still in that world. Yeah. And Christianity Today is, is a mainstream Christian publication. I actually weirdly have a master's in religious studies and I spent a lot of time at religion writing conferences with Mm. editors of Christianity Today. I do think it's important just to, you know, identify where we're coming from Mm. when we talk about religion, especially as someone who's studied religion in a past life. I mean, I'm I'm very agnostic. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. I wish that I weren't. I think I'd be happier if I had a more robust belief system. I don't seem to have the God gene, which some mm. people believe is an actual thing. I love the community aspects of religion. I love the idea of of belief and 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 hope uh, infused in so many religions. My issue is always the patriarchy. With mm-hmm. every religion on earth, that is what ends up just 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 getting me each time. I'm <laughs> the patriarchy sneaks in, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Not for me. We got all of our stuff on the table. Talk to me about the world of Christian mom influencers. What what do you see in that landscape? Yeah, so I I sort of fell down this rabbit hole maybe six months ago because I started researching for this book. And it is not about influencers specifically. It's not about tradwives specifically. It is a history of Christian parenting literature because I have for a long time wanted to write about some of the really problematic ideologies underneath just very popular um, Christian parenting teaching. So I, for the first time in a long time, made my Instagram public and started poking around online just to see what was out there. Um, and it took maybe a couple days for all of a sudden my feed to just be filled with trad wife content. Like I started out looking for kind of normie Christian parenting accounts that I figured were out there and around just to see where we were and fell down this like rabbit hole of, of trad wife content, specifically Christian trad wife content. So um, there is, like you said, there's a whole almost separate ecosystem. What I find interesting about it is I think that a lot of the Christian influencer content has bled over into the mainstream (laughs) world without people even realizing that a lot of it is Christian. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I, when I read Sarah Peterson's book, Momfluenced, which I love and reference all the time, um, she has a chapter where she talks about some Christian nationalism and white supremacist underpinnings um, 
of Tradwife content and mentions a couple of main characters of, of Christian Instagram Tradwife content. Um, and it's always interesting to me when I read an article or, or something about Tradwives that doesn't foreground the faith content, because in my mind, that's like the that's like the headline here. Like when I think about the reasons why Tradwife content has become so popular, I do not see that happening without the kind of support and fervent support of Christian creators and followers. Yeah. I think it's very much tied together, but I think that there are savvy creators who, you know, maybe don't foreground that to sort of reach a broader audience. I think there are creators who probably are agnostic, but recognize that this is a place where there's some resonance and overlap and they want to capture both audiences, both little ecosystems. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's happening too. Yeah, absolutely. And you wrote in your email to me that you think that the Christian influencers are supercharging the trad wife moment, the, mm -hmm. the trad wife movement. How so? Well, I think it has a lot to do with fundamentalism and the psychology of fundamentalism. So mm -hmm. um, recently, someone shared a definition with me of fundamentalism that kind of defines it as a psychology that involves certainty, ferocity, and solidarity. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think David French, who's a more conservative columnist for the New York Times recently, shared that definition in a column of his. Um, and I think that, that that psychology, that way of seeing the world, fundamentalist thinking, mm -hmm. is what's driving trad wife content. And it is a way of thinking and seeing the world that evangelicals are very primed for and familiar with and sometimes even encouraged to take as a worldview. Um, the certainty that comes with this isn't just a lifestyle choice. This is God's intention for me and for women. I mean, that's a level of certainty that has profound implications for how you view yourself and other women, other people. Um, and if you really believe that, that lends a sense of righteous purpose that I think can, can really like up the stakes and up like the fervor of your devotion to this idea, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what what else would up the stakes higher than saying, mm -hmm. well, you know, this is just about your eternal soul. <laughs> That's all this yeah. is. Just, you know, yeah. just, you know, this model is just about salvation or hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the same reason why, like, Christian parenting content gets the same kind of devotion, because it's like, it's your children's eternal souls, right? Like that that might even be higher stakes than your eternal soul. It's your children's eternal souls. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, it's this really like striking way of upping the stakes of every claim, every claim about, you know, this is God's design for women. This is God's best for women. Um, gosh, that just, if you really internalize that, that does a number on how you, perceive yourself of course it does of course it does and i think it adds a whole other layer of this is what you should be doing this is <laughs> your purpose 
when, when it is God's divine plan. And I think that's where it starts to get a little bit dangerous um, into <laughs> territory of, of, you know, prescribing things for women. Again, I say I always rub up against the patriarchy problem <laughs> of religion. When these influencers are saying, whether they're, you know, talking about their rules for being a wife or their rules for parenting, but when they're backing that up by saying, but I'm doing this because it's what God wants, <laughs> I think that makes it a lot more dangerous for vulnerable followers who are susceptible to that. I mean, essentially, it's kind of like proselytizing through social media. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Do you think that in some ways these influencers are proselytizing through social media? Absolutely. Yes. Like this is, you know, there is an evangelistic impulse here, um, par partly driven by this, this fundamentalist view of the world. That's part of why this is such an effective, like why Instagram is so effective. The, I mean, the whole point of adopting this aesthetic, this beautiful, curated, desirable, unattainable aesthetic is to cast this aspirational vision, right? And what could be a more winsome tool than projecting this image of a peaceful life, a beautiful life, where you live out the ideal version of femininity, not just the ideal, but like God's ideal, what he's created you to do, you know, putting beautiful music under it, having full control over that message of what's being put out there. It's really, really powerful. Um, and I think that there is absolutely an interest in putting that out there as as kind of an evangelistic tool of trying to bring people into that, encouraging people to share that vision of the world, to share that vision of what family looks like, what womanhood looks like, um, what, what family life looks like. Do you think that evangelical leaders in, in various, various parts of evangelicalism have gotten wise to the fact that influencers can go out there and possibly you know, bring in new converts, new recruits? Mm, that's a good question. Because I know the Mormon churches. The Mormon churches <laughs> knows that their influencers are are doing what exactly what it wants to bring more Mormons in. And I'm curious if the evangelical church is wise to to the edge that influencers could have for them. Yes, I think that's definitely growing for a long time. I mean, evangelicalism in the U.S. has a long track record of being very eager to adopt media and technology as evangelistic tools. So like Billy Graham is like the quintessential example, right? He was super effective because he was able to use radio and TV. And, you know, it's all about reaching as big an audience as possible with a winsome, attractive message. And you know, evangelical leaders today are are just as eager to adopt new technologies, new platforms, use them to to reach an audience. So that is definitely happening. And that's part of the recipe for for success here um, for outreach anyway. So I think um, I think that is definitely happening. One of the things that you mentioned is that 
content from very conservative religious creators can go viral with non-religious followers just because of the aesthetics and the reactionary ideology. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I think it's, I think, again, it requires this fundamentalist way of thinking. I, I see the most resonance when I look at secular content in like wellness spaces. You see like very similar framing and um, appeals to goodness, to nature, to counterculturalism. I think that the pandemic <laughs> really um, fertilized the ground for there to be some real interest in alternative wellness, alternative medicine, um, some conspiratorial thinking. Um, and I see echoes of that in some trad wife content. And I think this return to nature or return to the natural idea is something that like can become a common ground, even though it's not really a common ground, right? Because if you're saying that um, we need to return to the sacred feminine, we need to return to um, our natural role as women, as childbearers, as mothers, Evangelicals can say a similar thing, or conservative Christians can say a similar thing, but sort of add the God ordained. And even if you don't believe that it's God ordained, you believe it's sort of this naturalist vision, it kind of gets you to the same place in some cases. And so there's this weird. And it gets in your head. All of yeah. these, you know, yeah. these ideas, because of the way they're being presented. These ideas of what is, quote unquote, good motherhood. And because <laughs> they look so beautiful and so aesthetically pleasing, they <laughs> lodge in our brains and we <laughs> may not come. We, and we many times will not know what kind of an ideological place they're coming from. Right, right. And I think in some cases, it, you almost don't care where they're coming from if you like the aspirational vision and you like the aesthetic result. I think that makes it easy to co-sign content with a creator that you might not share um, a worldview with. Well, absolutely. So I've recently been served this one influencer who is full-on anti-vax, just mm -hmm. like live off the earth. And she is the antithesis of what I am from from a worldview and yet it's all these videos of her just nursing a baby in the jungle and I'm, that looks nice i could be in the jungle with my i, I really wouldn't let's be honest fucking jungle look and like it's itchy and like these are things that look so much better on instagram than in real life it's like the idea of sex on the beach at the end of the day oh my gosh. all stand in uncomfortable places okay oh my gosh right yeah, but but I could look at these videos all day long, and they're very soothing. And then I read the caption, and she's she's telling me not to vaccinate my children amidst a measles outbreak. <laughs> oh gosh, that brings me to the next thing I want us to talk about, which is Christian parenting influencers. But let's take a quick break, and we'll we'll get to that when we get back. Sounds good. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. 
If you're like me, and we've talked about this before, you tend to set really big goals for the coming year, or at least goals. But as we've said before, sometimes the littlest things can be the most impactful. I'm doing the dry January, and that has kind of trickled down into everything else that I'm doing. And so another example of that is One Skin's two-step approach to healthier skin. Yes, two steps. This is not one of those skin treatments where you do 50 different steps, which I can't do because I don't have time to do it. And I'm very into One Skin's two-thing two two approach. It's a good approach. And I'm kind of a snob about skin skincare stuff. Not a snob in like, I'm going to spend a lot of money kind of way, but I every time I, I go to Europe or I'm in like a nice airport, I buy myself all of those French pharmacy skincare products, which are pretty cheap, but they're better than the ones you can get here. And I've been trying one skin and it's the first thing I've tried in a long time that reminds me of those. Their products are powered by a scientifically proven peptide called OS1 that targets lines and wrinkles right where they start in your cells. I've got a lot of them. I've got a lot of lines and wrinkles. This is kind of a scientific breakthrough. In fact, OS1 is the first of its kind to kind of turn back the clock and mask the signs of aging. And they've got a full line of face, eye, body, sun, and travel-sized products. So I'm, I'm all in. I've been all in. I've been using it for about a month now, and I'm really seeing a difference. I really, I'm really enjoying it. I've added it into my skincare routine and I think I look good. I do. I'm, I'm getting ready for that, for that book tour, that book tour glow. And I'm really enjoying the one skin. And for a limited time, our listeners can get an exclusive 15% off one skin products using the code influence. That code is influence. When you check out at oneskin.co, oneskin.co. So start your 2024 off with a new skincare routine and give your skin the scientifically proven love that it deserves with OneSkin. Again, you can get 15% off OneSkin with the code INFLUENCE at www.oneskin.co. That's .co, not .com. Under the Influence is also brought to you by Etitude. Etitude. Yes, Attitude is a dreamy line of clean bamboo sheets that have over 20,000 five-star reviews. I like jumping into a soft bed. I want my sheets to be soft and cozy. I, I prioritize sleep over almost everything else. People ask me all the time, they're like, you're doing a thousand podcasts and you're a marketing monster for all of your books. You must not sleep. No, I sleep about nine hours a night because I get in bed right after the kids go to bed at about eight o'clock and I read for an hour and then I pass out. I'm also a bad sleeper, so I take I take half a melatonin, but I love nice sheets. It's one of the few things that I spend money on. And the great thing is that attitude sheets are the epitome of accessible luxury. They are not going to break the bank but they are soft and just delightful. It's like jumping into bed in a cloud. In a cloud. Yes, I recently got their signature sateen sheet set, their bamboo sateen sheet set. It's clean bamboo, 
and I got it in this really pale yellow, which I've never had that color sheet before, but it pops. It really pops in my room. I'm into it. I'm into it more than the white we see on social media all the time, right? Like, why not some? Why not add some color? I like some color. Now, our listeners can get 35% off their first order with the code INFLUENCE, which is very exciting because $35 is not nothing. So go to attitude.com slash under the influence, use the code INFLUENCE, and you're going to get $35 off your order plus free shipping. I love free shipping. It brings me joy. It really does. So again, that is attitude.com slash under the influence and the code is influence. Get some good sleep. You deserve it and you need it. We're back. Hi, Kelsey. Hi. Now I want to get into, we talked, we talked about traditional Christian wife influencers. I want to talk about the parenting influencing world. In the Christian influencer sphere. Give me the lay of the land here. So we have that world of Christian parenting books up through the 2000s. And then social media comes around. And millennial parents now are getting most of their parenting advice and content from Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. And so... You can see how the the power has shifted from this group of authors that were self-credentialed to begin with, claiming this level of knowledge about what God wants for your children. Now that's shifted to influencers and content creators online. Um, but what's interesting about it is they sort of use the same toolbox that James Dobson used, but now just sort of adopted for a new generation of millennial evangelical Christians. Tell me about that. How has it uh, how has it adapted to the influencer generation? I'll talk about two different camps. So one thing that made James Dobson and his peers kind of particularly stand out as part of a Christian parenting influencer author um, is this commitment to the idea of of discipline, of corporal discipline of foregrounding parental authority in the home. Um, The problem that they are trying to address in so much of their advice is that parents are not disciplining their children well enough, (laughs) that children are not growing up with respect for authority. There is still a strong contingent of American Christians that think that is a problem. So there is a strong reaction in conservative Christianity in some places to things like gentle parenting, respectful parenting. Even a book like um, Becky Kennedy's Good Inside. Are you familiar with that book? Oh, yeah. 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 So like that book for a lot of Christians is like a red flag because to suggest that your child is good inside is to suggest that they don't have sin, right? This is a sin. This is a sin issue. Um, And so much parenting literature is concerned with how do we deal with the sin of our children? Um, Again, huge eternal theological stakes right in your face. Huge stakes. And these huge stakes are now playing out on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Um, So that's still there. Um, The content of like the most mainstream Christian parenting influencers now, I think, 
really downplays the discipline issue and really plays up what it means to be a parent. Um, it's much more parent focused or it's more focused on protecting your children from the outside world. Mm. Um, I think creators are savvy enough to know that talking about corporal discipline on social media is going to make you a lightning rod. Um, Unless you're Ruby Frankie, but she's right. I just, oh, I just, that's talk about a story. I just could barely bring myself to, to finish reading. Even think about it. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, I think most, most influencers who talk about parenting on, on Instagram, avoid the topic of corporal discipline, even though I'm, I'm sure that a good number of them do kind of adhere to the, like, you know, the rod, the rod of discipline will drive folly from a child, this whole idea. Um, but instead, a more popular message is, you know, protect your children from the outside world. Um, don't vaccinate your children. Um, homeschool your children. Um, this is where it starts to intersect with the crowd wife stuff, by the way. There's this separatist countercultural impulse that really plays into um, some some of these strains in in evangelicalism and it provides this new orientation that is that on its face sounds quite different than what you would hear from someone like a James Dobson who really focused on sort of behaviorism um, mm -hmm. and now the focus has shifted to a real like kind of almost fear of the world you know, someone think of the children kind of thing. Right, right, of course. And it, that does intersect with another category that's incredibly popular on Instagram. And I think that most of our listeners have been served this. It's the homeschooling Instagram. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. beautiful pictures of homeschooling your children, which makes mm -hmm. us all feel terrible for sending our children to the God forbid public school. And it really, that content really is shaming. And what you're saying is that a lot of that is rooted in this Christian ideology of protecting our children from the outside world. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I, so I have to tell you the story now that you've brought that up because it's just, it's happening to me right now. Um, to, today was supposed to be my six-year-old's first day of kindergarten. She started kindergarten this year and I, um, True. I don't know if it's influencer content that really steered me in this direction. I don't know, but we started this year. So I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna homeschool my kindergartner. I can provide this like lovely free learning environment. I can do all of. I can, you know, protect her from this environment where she might be kind of lost in the shuffle, or there are too many kids, or um, she won't get as much rest. She won't get as much free time. I don't know what it was that planted this in my brain so, so strongly. Um, but as the semester went on, I just was like, why am I, why am I doing this? What is, what is making me feel so strongly that this is the best and the right thing for my child when she is a social butterfly who wants nothing more than to be with her neighborhood friends at school, to be going to art class and music class. Um, and I just, my husband and I looked at each other and we were like, are we? Are we part of the problem here? Like, what are we doing? Um, and so we we made the decision halfway through the year to to 
enroll her in school and she is so excited. Um, did not start this week because we got a snowstorm and are snowed in. Um, but, but yeah, the homeschool influencer space is really winsome and really effective. They and got you. They totally they got me. <laughs> they, they got did. me. Sucked you in. And I think they've sucked a lot of people in. I've heard from a lot of listeners who were sucked in by homeschool influencers. <laughs> by the way, homeschool Christian influencers and homeschool influencers will not speak to me. They're the one group that just refuse them <laughs> and the diaper free movement lady. They will not they will not talk to me. They are I was really hoping you would get a hold of a diaper free lady. I would love to hear a conversation with her. her. I can't get past her assistant. And you know, I'm still bitter. I'm still bitter that Diaper Free Lady has an assistant and I don't. So bitter over here. But yeah, they just they see no benefit in talking to the press. They're like, nope, I do my thing. I don't need you. Nada. Nada. But but a lot of people have been sucked in to this homeschooling idea. And then they do it and they're like, this is nothing like the pictures I've been served. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be paying teachers $100,000 an hour. Yes. 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 And it really, and this is like, so when I talk about how Christian parenting content is very parent-centric, it this is one way that that is tricky because the vision of homeschooling is like all about the parent. It's all about like the parent's experience, what the parent can provide, the environment the parent is able to cultivate. What do the kids want to be doing? What, you know, I just looked at my daughter and was like, yeah, she's six. Six is so young. And in my head, I would think, oh, that is too long to be away from me. That is too long for her to be away from her home. But she wants to be doing a million different things with a bunch of different friends, getting to try things, read things, do different projects that I cannot do at home, especially because I also have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. It's just not possible. No, we and, and are in the same boat, right? Like, we've got kids that are almost the same age. Like, no, are they really? Mm-hmm. Oh. And it's wonderful, but I, I cannot give her what I think she wants and needs. And Gosh, the homeschool influencer space did such a great job of convincing me that what she needs is to be home with me above all else. Even if I even if I don't teach her much of anything ever, what she needs is to be home where she's safe, where she's free to have self-directed learning, you know, all of this. It was so convincing to me. Um, and I I feel like that just was me listening to like my desires and not not what she needs and not what she needs and listening to these this this intense influence that we see on this weird device that we hold in our hand and put in our mm-hmm. pocket and take into the bathroom with us all the time it is persuasive and, mm-hmm. and make no mistake it is it is convincing us to do things that i don't think we would have otherwise done yeah yeah, and I, so I, I always want to tell people I when I talk about influencer content, I am not accusing anyone of being stupid or being easily fooled. Like we're all, we're all impacted by it in different ways at different times, depending on where we're at and what decisions we're considering making. And um, 
you know, none of us is like this passive, um, you know, viewer of information that is, you know, that has no control over what we think. That's not, that's not it. But, um, but I think we're all susceptible and not as aware of how we're susceptible as we'd like to think we are. Um, Absolutely. And, that's, and we're also, that's we're also vulnerable. We're vulnerable mm-hmm. as mothers who feel guilt a lot. And so mm-hmm. we're looking for answers to how not to feel guilty or constantly trying to figure out how to be quote unquote good. Like, yes. I'm a good mother, but what the mm-hmm. hell does that mean? Mm-hmm. And so we're vulnerable to this content that is telling us how to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we are all vulnerable to it. And I, my my dissertation was on propaganda. And so I've done a lot of thinking about how media shapes hearts, minds, feelings, thoughts. Um, and it's not simple. It's not straightforward. But it's very human. And it's a good thing, right? Like, I, I mean, I think any artist would say they want what they create to be able to move people and influence people. Um, so, but it's complicated and we're all, yeah, we're all vulnerable. We're all vulnerable. We really, really are. One last thing that I want to talk to you a little bit about is we say, we, t- we talk a lot about bump engagement on mm. this show and mm-hmm. you know, how creators often experience a bump in their engagement from their literal baby bumps. Yes. Yes. And and you had told me that there is something called the, quote, open womb group of influencers <laughs> who talk yeah. about expanding their families and, <laughs> you know, who, who talk about how. And I think that they also, a lot of these influencers make having a very large family look easy, which <laughs> is the biggest lie known to man. <laughs> yes. 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 So open womb, I mean, you can probably just search it on Instagram and you'll find a number of posts about Christian women who talk about, usually it's framed as trusting God with the size of my family. Some of them engage in natural family planning and they post quite a bit about that and will even like market tools for natural family planning. Many of them oh, are. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of them are now selling you tools. Yeah, for natural family planning. Yes, selling yes. you, selling you their guide to mm-hmm. natural family planning. Mm-hmm. Yep, and many of them are very vocal about being anti-hormonal birth control. There's a lot of there's a lot of content out there right now in Christian spaces about how hormonal birth control, you know, hurts your body and also is is not trusting God with the size of your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you'll find, you know, snarky posts like a video of a woman saying, you know, reasons why I regret having an open womb. And then like, there's nothing, you know, like you'll see stuff like that. And, um, and it's very much encouraging women to think about just, you know, trying to relinquish control of how many children you have. because. How many children you end up having is how many you are supposed to have, or God is going to basically um, ordain for you how many children you should have. It could be four, it could be nine, it could be one, you know? Um, and that is 
that is framed as, again, like not just like a preference thing, but as a like, how much do you trust God? Do you really trust God? Do you really trust God with this part of your life or do you not? When I see posts like that, those really, um, you know, rub me the wrong way because that is, that's a kind of like psychological attack on women. It's sort of calling into question the nature of your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it calls into question the strength of your faith. Like how strong of a Christian are you? How much of, how much of a believer are you? Um, and that is to me just so toxic and destructive. Like, um, and, but, and when you consider that in light of the fact that influencers get a bump in engagement from children, that together does, you know, raises all kinds of just like icky kinds of questions, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And I think, again, we're going back to it creates fear and shame and guilt, even in, in, in women who are not Christian, who are just viewing this content and not knowing that it is based in Christian philosophy. You see these women with their massive soccer teams of children, and they do make it look so easy. And you're like, why do I feel like I'm failing all the time when I've got one over here or two over here or three over here, right? Because we're also always playing this comparison game. And so I think that that is also what makes it what makes it so dangerous because parenting is hard. And when no one shows the mess of parenting and the difficulties of parenting, then you're, we're, we're doing all parents a disservice and we're just making them all feel bad about themselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you run across the content from like, I mean, a lot of it comes from Christian tradwise, others not, but the like, you don't have to you don't have to be part of hot mess mom culture. Have you seen yes. those? Yes, I do see that. I do see that. You know, I have my own thoughts on hot mess mom culture, too. I think the majority of us fall in the middle. Yes. Most of us are just trying to live our lives. My house is messy right now. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I don't like my husband. Sometimes I want to do it with him. But, you know, I, I never see that middle ground because <laughs> Instagram loves extremes. And so it's either hot mess. I hate my husband. I hate my kids. I'm going to get hammered in the bathroom alone. Or it's <laughs> everything is perfect all the time. I have 19 children mm-hmm. and my husband and my house is perfect. We just, we don't see normal people because normal people don't sell products to people on Instagram, sadly. Like I'm just, I'm too normie to be an influencer, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Most people are not I mean, most normal parents are just not that online <laughs> and don't have the time or the interest in putting their life online. I think I think there's something very healthy about that, <laughs> you know, to not have the impulse to like broadcast what your day looks like. Um, but yeah, it really there really is this like either you're a domestic goddess or you were, I don't know, like you're a, a bottom dweller, you know, it's, you it's are just the worst. Cool. Yes. And, but it is, yeah, this whole, like, you know, you don't need to be a part of hot mess mom culture. Putting yourself together in the morning is, you know, is a joy and will change your outlook. There's this, like, this weird reaction to, I don't even think it's a reaction to, like, really the really extreme hot mess mom culture. It's like a reaction to, like, women with no makeup and mom buns, which is me most days, you know? Um, and 
instead, you know, it's not it's not hard to put on a dress. This is an easy dress to wear. It's not hard to put on a little makeup before your husband gets home. You know, it's just all this um, guilt and shame, really. You know, what? it's not that hard to do the bare minimum, you know. It's all of this is about unrealistic expectations for mothers. And I'm so glad we had you here to talk about how a lot of this is coming from very evangelical points of view, and we're not even realizing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think once you see it, though, you, you yeah, won't unsee it. <laughs> because it's, and I think to, to people who are in that world, it's very obvious to us because we're so used to that. And there is such a long standing interest in strengthening the gender binary and traditional gender roles in evangelicalism. The first time I saw Tradwife content, I was like, oh, that person is either Mormon or they're they're an evangelical. I, I know it, you know, um, and because that's, you know, there's there's so much. Um, yeah, just this long, longstanding interest in, in that. That's all we've got for today. Thank you, as always, for being here. If you love us, leave us a review. Tell a friend. You can always DM me with ideas for this show because I've gotten so many DMs. I'm now working on an episode about menopause influencers. Also, I think the meno is, is coming for me. I think it's coming real quick. Real just 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 hitting me in the vagina right now. Also, just one last note: if you pre-order my novel, The Sicilian Inheritance, which will be out in April and will be the best thing to read while you ignore your kids on spring break, you will get a lifetime paid subscription to our newsletter over the influence. So, I mean, it's a great deal. That could be hundreds, hundreds, or even thousands of dollars if I keep doing this until I die. Truth. Truth. All right, now go have a day. Like a good day. You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs>